Rebishiva.org, Shir on Halacha through the lens of history. How history discoveries or new things happening throughout the world, how Halacha dealt with them, related to them. We went through different elements in the past year and we spoke about new species that were discovered. And this year, I'd like to share over here, let's begin with the Chabad of Hawaii. Ready? Chabad of Hawaii says something interesting, okay? Shabbat in Hawaii. Right? It's the official Chabad center, okay? In the Big Island. So, <laughs> when is Shabbos? So, look what they look what they write. I'll make it a little bigger so easier to see. So, some rabbinical authorities hold that you must keep two days of Shabbos in Hawaii. Whoa, Thursday night and Saturday night, which means Shabbos is not on Shabbos. When is Shabbos really? Let's go. Which day is Shabbos, basically? Thursday night. Yeah, right. Thursday night and Friday, right? So Shabbos there is on Friday. That's strange. As the exact location of the Halakhic International Dateline is a matter of debate. Be sure to discuss this with your local Orthodox rabbi before traveling to Hawaii. If you will keep two days, remember to discuss all potential ramifications regarding candle lighting, uh, warming food, and so on. The local communities on each island keep Shabbos from Friday night to Saturday night. They say, look, here's what we do in Chabad. The community basically, there is no daily minion. The Jewish community there basically is Chabad. Okay. And we basically uh, do not. Uh, I'm sorry, do not. We do our Shabbos, the main day of Shabbos that we hold is actually what Saturday is in Hawaii. There's a daily minyan on the island and so on. Fine, let's go on. On Shabbat, we have davening together. Friday night, we don't get a minyan. Let us know when you plan on coming and so on and so on. Okay. First of all, you see there isn't that much of a Jewish community in uh, in Hawaii. And you see something very strange over here. They're not sure exactly when Shabbat is in Hawaii. That's interesting. Why Why is it not just Saturday? What actually is going on over here? We also know, here, let me just see if I can find it over here, just one second. Uh, Shabbat. Okay. One second. Okay, now, uh, Japan, the same question happens also. You see there's different opinions, you know, in Japan. I should let not this site. One second. I stopped sharing. Resume sharing. And let me try to find the site over here. One second. Of the Star K. Watch this. Okay. Star K has Meshigichim all over the world. And they're giving their direction to the Meshgichim, and in general, they discuss the whole topic of when exactly is Shabbat in Japan. Let me just try to find it here. Japan, one, one beautiful. Okay, so they say over here that according to the Chazanish, New uh, Japan, they are the same side of America, which means that Saturday by them is really on, look at this, on Sunday. <laughs> So this is very, very interesting. 
so what what in the world is going on over here so they basically this the star cable which see what, what they poskin is there's different areas in the world where there is a whole argument and discussion and therefore the conclusion is going to be that we 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 have the main day which we hold a Shabbat, but then we have the other day where we try to avoid malachot. We'll, we'll see that all soon. So what's important to understand is what in the world is is going on? Why is there a debate of when Shabbat is? I mean, the whole world more or less knows when Saturday is. Doesn't the world really know when Saturday is every day? Why don't we just hold Shabbat on Saturday? What in the world is going on over here? So everything begins uh, from the Gemara in Rosh Hashanah. The Gemara in Rosh Hashanah. Let me first see if I can find it in English. Okay. Second. Here we go. Okay. Amar Shmuel. I'm able to fix the calendar for the entire diaspora. With your permission, I'll just read it in Hebrew, slash Aramaic, and then we'll translate to English. Amr Shmuel. Yechel na letakone lechula gola. Yechel na. Yechol. I can't. Letakone means to fix. Also means to arrange. It doesn't mean something is broken. It means to build. I can construct. Lekula gola. Kula from the word of kol for all the gola, for the entire diaspora. Meaning, I can create a calendar. I can create a calendar. Meaning that you don't need the witnesses to testify when the new moon begins to define when Rosh Chodesh is. So let's take half a step back. In the time of the Beit HaMikdash, how would they define, how would they define when the new month is? How would they do that? Unmute, chat. How would they debate the Mikdash? How would they define the new month? When is Rosh Chodesh? When is the first day of the new month? How how would they do that in time of the Beta Mikdash? They have witnesses coming. That's right. And what would the witnesses see? Who say, I'm sorry, they say that they saw the new moon, they saw the sliver of the new moon. Now what if it would be a cloudy day? Uh, ouch, that, that would be an issue. So if you look at the Mishnah, again, we can go through the whole Mishnah, we can go elaborately. You see, actually, let me let me, let me show that to you because this, that's this actually very, very, very interesting. Uh, let me see, Safaria. Mm, let me just open this. Let's take an argument, but that's not what I want to see. Let me show you the Mishnah over there that says that Rabban Gamliel had on the wall uh, Rosh Hashanah, hold on. Come on. There we go, Rosh Hashanah. Rabban Gamliel uh, had on his wall uh, the, the, the pictures of all, of all the moons. Here we go. Here we go. Okay. So the Mishnah Rosh Hashanah talks about the witnesses coming and testifying. Yet, with your permission, I'll skip straight to the English. You know what? Let me read a little Hebrew, a little English. Which means, Rabban Gamliel had a diagram in different forms of the moon drawn in tablets and hung on the wall of his attic. We would show the layman, came to testify, and he would say, did you see the moon like this or like that? He basically had the whole chart over there 
on his wall, and that's how he would know they're telling the truth or or not. But something interesting is going on. You see, if we just go by witnesses, sometimes the witnesses could be off. Sometimes they could be lying. Sometimes they can think they're telling the truth. They saw a sliver. They thought it was a cloud. A lot of things can go haywire when you go by by witnesses. So Rabbi Gamliel, basically, who was the leader of the Jewish nation, one of the leaders, they already knew the secrets. They already knew, uh, you know, the spherical trigonometry, where where the sun is, the moon, you know, where everything's located. They, they, they already knew that. What he would do is he would question the witnesses. He already knew where the moon was supposed to be. This mission is quite explicit. He knew already. He just wanted to double check with them if they're telling the truth and where they saw it. And if it matched it up, he knew they were telling the truth. So basically, Rabban Gamaliel is saying like this, that the Torah is telling us we need witnesses. The special mitzvah that we have witnesses and the Beit Din is the one who sanctifies the new month. But as far as the knowledge of when the month truly begins, we truthfully already know that. Now, if we know that the month is supposed to begin on Monday, and yet the witnesses did not come on Monday, they only came on Tuesday, they missed it, they didn't see it, and we moved the month to begin on Tuesday. But the following month, will have to begin on time because months cannot, the months are 29 and a half days, roughly. So it would always even itself out. All we have to know is as follows, that even though in the time of debate to Mikdash, witnesses would come, it's important to know that the tradition brought down already of the locations of the sun, the moon, and everything, we knew when it was located, we knew when it began. We can every once in a while deviate a day here, a day there, but the overall picture actually stayed, stayed, the, stayed the same. What happens is Shmuel comes along in the Gemara Rosh Hashanah. That's what we saw a second ago. And Shmuel says, look, I know all the calculation. In truth, I don't need the, here we go. He said, I don't need really the witnesses. I, I have the tradition. I know how it works. He came many, many years after Rabban Gamliel. And look what it says. It was an extra movement of celestial bodies, okay? And I can actually create create a calendar. Uh, by the way, on a, on a side note, it's interesting that the the uh, calendar, first of all, by the Muslims, as we know, they don't they don't have a leap year. And so Ramadan by them every year moves moves over, it shifts over. Sometimes it's after a number of years, it could be it could move from winter to summer. It's always shifting, always moving. Uh, Judaism has not only the mitzvah to, to testify and the Beit Din is the one who sanctifies the month, but we actually have the calculations. And as such, we have the leap year. What's the purpose of the leap year? No, let's go. What's the purpose? Of, this year, by the way, is a leap year. What's the, what's the main purpose of the leap year? Go ahead. Not a trick question. Keep our calendars the same and the holidays in the right season. Right. The right season. Right. So, what what about the solar calendar? Do we believe in the solar calendar? Yes, we do actually. So the the leap year enables the solar and the lunar to really match up. Now even the solar calendar, we have to realize in the world of science, the solar calendar also had to be readjusted quite a number of times. In Israel, by the way, you have, um, I, I lived uh, for quite a while in Talpiot, right next to, Derech uh, Hebron slash Derech Beit Lechem. That was the road that went to uh, to to Beit Lechem. So it, around um, 
remember, like, I'd say the beginning of December already, they would have liked, you know, a lot of the Christians would come and they would go to, uh, you know, they would go to Beit Lechem where they would, uh, cel- you know, celebrate Christmas. And the lights were there past December into January. There are a lot of different sects in Christianity that celebrate Christmas in different time because even the solar calendar uh, shifted quite a number of times in history. So the Jewish calendar, again, is a combo of combo of witnesses on one hand, the moon. Again, the witnesses on the moon, but we know the calculation and we make sure to align the witnesses with the calculation. And at times, the witnesses may have missed it, so they'll miss it for one month. So that month will become a longer month, but the next one will become shorter. Eventually, it has to balance itself out uh, by definition. By the way, if witnesses don't show up at all. It becomes a 30-day month under no circumstances. It becomes a 31, 32, 33-day month. If witnesses never showed up, the witnesses can only make the month shorter. They can't make it longer. Or they can make it either on time or earlier, but or not even earlier by a day. It's got to be either day 29 or 30. They didn't come by 30. We call it Rosh Chodesh anyway. It's very important to know this. Uh, just uh, on a side note, by the way, Yom Kippur, how many days after Rosh Hashanah is it? Not a trick question again. How many days? Ten. Rosh Hashanah? Ten days. Ten, ten days. Uh, lunar calendar versus solar calendar. What's the differentiation, more or less? Yeah. 354 to 365, right? Correct? I don't know. Yeah, yeah. The, 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 the lunar calendar is 354. The solar calendar is 365 days in the year. It actually ends up being like about nine and a half. Uh, it's, it's like a 10 and a half days, Barak. So Yom Kippur is brought down. It's like such a, such a beautiful idea where Yom Kippur, that 10 days, like the 10 and a half days difference is that's when the lunar and the solar calendar match up. So La Rosh Hashanah is the new year only on the lunar calendar, 354 days after the previous year, basically Yom Kippur is approximately 365. Again, this half days here, half days there, about 365 from the, from the previous Rosh Hashanah, uh, representing a very beautiful idea. We all know that the, Jew, the Jewish calendar is considered to be the moon. And the, uh, the, 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 the Goyish calendar, basically, a Goy means a person of the land. The Jewish nation is considered to be the chosen nation, i.e. goy echad ba'aretz, like the special goy. Goy is like a nation. So simple human beings in the world are all they're all called goy. So basically the world, the physical world, goes by the solar calendar. Judaism goes by the lunar calendar, but adjusts itself. And Yom Kippur is the day where that adjustment works perfect, where the physical world and the spiritual world all exactly match up the holy of holy where everything becomes one that's also why on yom kippur we bring a special korban this korban azazel where they take uh, a goat and they take it outside of beit hamikdash and they uh, and they sacrifice it you know by by the cliffs of azazel and the ramban brings you're sacrificing a sacrifice outside of beit hamikdash yes because in yom kippur we're not limited in, in Beit HaMikdash. Hashem is everywhere. The whole world, spiritual, physical, everything becomes one, all connected with Hashem. So we're able to bring a korban also outside of Beit HaMikdash, which normally during the year is not, is not that way. 
So you might ask yourself, well, why in the world does Judaism not just go by the standard solar calendar? Isn't that simpler? It's 365, yes, again, I stressed before. Even that number was offered. It took many, many, many centuries for them to, to get it right. I mean, NASA really was able to set it, set it right. They even readjusted, by the way, uh, you know, in February, we all know it's 28 days, except for once in X amount of time, it's 29 days. There's a, there, there are a whole bunch of adjustments that done done till, done till you know, till recently. But why does Judaism not go by the solar calendar, just as, as a side point? Any ideas? Anyone? Well, why do we go by the lunar? What, what's this all about? The Beitin has to have witnesses and everything. And Shmuel says, we, we, we know the times, we know the dates, so, so what's the big deal? Well, I, I just know that Army Israel is... Uh is um, connected to this to the lunar moon because it goes it wanes and it waxes wanes and it waxes and that's i know that's not maybe the real reason but that's what i heard that um we are like the moon our our history and all of i'm israel is like the moon yeah, so, and, we're, and we're and we're always dynamic it's very very true what you're saying is exa- is exactly what what chazal bring is burned in quite a number of places that Judaism represented an idea to the world. And again, our mission is to be a light to the nations. I mean, our idea was to take these ideas and spread them in the world. We came into a world that believed in idol worshiping, had extremely low morals. And Judaism's job was actually to to make, make make a better world. And in this better world, we came along with an idea that human beings are not doomed human beings can make a difference and we can go up and we can go down but going down is part of the beauty because going down means that what you do has value there's no value in doing good if you can't also falter so when you go down and you go up it it means we have meaning we have purpose We're, we're, we're dynamic we're special there's a meaning to everything you know like in the world of sports they say that if you if you didn't end the game, depending on the sport itself, some games are 90 minutes, some are 40 minutes. But if you wouldn't end the game, then you wouldn't have action during the game itself. It would have zero meaning. And that's in sports. In in life, there's such a beautiful pleasure that our actions actually have have meaning. So when a person sins and goes down, say, oh, it's terrible. Chazal look at it differently, that a person can use a fall to rise up again. It's part of the dynamic of life. It means everything actually has has true value. So when we look at the fact that our, our calendar is all about deep calculations. We know the truth, but yet Hashem wants us to participate in making the calendar. Look how beautiful this is. Hashem says, I know you know, I gave you the tradition. When Hashem said, Achodesh Hazelachem, Rosh Chodeshim, that was the first mitzvah given to us, the first mitzvah in Sefer Shemot, where Am Yisrael is about to leave Mitzrayim. What was the first mitzvah? Rosh Chodesh. Achodesh Hashem takes Moshe outside. And he says, here's what the new moon looks like. And now the Beit Din will take witnesses and sanctify. What Hashem is saying is, I want you humans now to begin participating in building a better world. You are going to be an active part of, of it. By the way, part of that, it's explicit in the Torah, is accepting anti-Semitism. It's accepting that when we are out there in the world representing Hashem, representing 
Hashem's will in the world, sending Torah, or being light to the nations, it's going to have a very strong, uh, what's the word for repercussion? And it says it in the Torah. And when we accepted the covenant with Hashem, we accepted the mission, including bringing good to the world and including the consequences that come along with it. That was part part of the deal. So Hashem says, I want you to participate. Yes, I know you know, but I want you to do something. Bring witnesses, even on Shabbat. They can violate Shabbos to come to Beit HaMikdash, even though the rabbis in Bishalayim knew when the month was. They knew it. You see it over here. It's explicit. Shmuel says, I know when it is. Rabbi Gamaliel says, I know when it is. Still, I want witnesses to violate Shabbos. Be part, now, be part of it. Now, on Shabbat also, what do we do on Shabbat to sanctify the Shabbat? When Shabbat comes in, what, what, what do we do? We say Shabbat is sanctified. What do we do? Go ahead. What do we have on Shabbat that we ourselves sanctify the Shabbos? Shabbat comes in. What's the first thing we do? The meal begins. What do we do? Candles and Kiddush. Candles. Beautiful. And I might ask you why. If God brings Shabbat, what do I have to light candles or say? And in Kiddush and Shabbat, you say, you're blessing the Shabbat. You're saying you're sanctifying the Shabbat. Shabbat is sanctified. Shabbat does not need your help. Answer, yes, it does. Because even though it's Shabbat, whether you lit candles or not, whether you said Kiddush or not, but Hashem wants us to sanctify. Hashem says, I made Shabbos, but you as human beings participate. So now let's move on for a second. The Gemara now brings over here, Shmuel says, we know it, but yet we have a special mitzvah of participating in, 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 the, in the world. Abai, uh, Abba Abba says, Amrali Abba Abba the Rebbe Simlai Lushmuel. Okay, his name, his name says to Shmuel. Do you by any chance know Yadamar Haimilta, the Tanya Bestot Haibur, Nolad Kodam Chatzot, Nolad Achar Chatzot? And he said, No, I don't know it. So he asked him a certain question. Let's not get into it right now. And he said, Oh, I'm unaware of this particular thing. Okay, but one day Rabzera shows up. And Rabzera says, I do know what it is. I, I purposely skipped a question. We're just going to see the answer. So, uh, so uh, I just want to go straight to the answer. Kisolik Rabzera, when Rabzera, Rabzera shows up one day and he said, It had to be the night and day of the new moon. Let's just see what that means. It means that the sliver of the moon had to show up way before the evening so that the new day, which in Judaism begins at night, the new day will already have the sliver of the moon when the new day shows up. So let's just see over here. If you're meaning or this uh Bryce or Abzera said, he says hello to his colleagues. Necessarily that both the night and the day of the new month, it means the Molad, the sliver must come before the evening. And that's when he says as follows. He says, look closely at these words. Nolad Kodam Chatzot, meaning If the molad occurred before midday, right? The sliver of the moon appears before midday. You know that the sliver is already here. So we know that the six more hours left to the day, that the moon will be visible close to sunset. Which means that Rosh Chodesh will begin the following day. But if the moon was not there in the midday, then it will not be visible on sunset, which means it's got to be there way in advance. By the way, you'll look and you'll see 
that the molad, the sliver, is always at least one day before Rosh Chodesh. Look in your calendar. You see in Shul, they always announce the molad. They announce when the sliver of the moon will show up. The sliver is a day before before Rosh Chodesh. I just do want to share that sometimes it's actually a little bit more because our calendar adjust, our calendar today adjusts things on the bigger picture every once in a while. Uh, had the Beit HaMikdash been built, the, 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 the months would have been a little bit different, like more to this month, less to that month. Again, it could just vary between uh, between 29 and 30. But the calendar overall gives an overall, it, it works. But, you know, here and there, actually, there are, there are some, some differences. But the bottom line is, again, what's it saying? Let's give a quick summary, okay? The sliver must be there before. We got that? Simple. True? Now watch this. Are we ready? Okay. And, and by the way, also, I want to show you something really interesting over here. The Gemara says, who cares? What difference does it make? And Amaravashi Sahade, which means we need to, why do we need to know this information? Says the Gemara, who cares? We go by the witnesses. And the Gemara says, no, 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 no. We need to know the witnesses are telling the truth. But this information is used to refute the witnesses. The witnesses claim you saw the new moon. We need to know what the truth is. So we see from here rule number one. What I want actually we want to come out of the sheer knowing is there was a tradition carried down from Moshe Rabbeinu. When Hashem taught him about Rosh Chodesh, Hashem taught Moshe the calculations of the sun, the moon. It's basically spherical trigonometry. I actually studied it, believe it or not. Don't even ask me why. And it's so fascinating. And basically, we had this in our tradition, and all the rabbis knew it, and they knew what the Adim had to say. So it's not that we needed the witnesses to know. We really felt that we were part of Hashem's actions in this world. We participated in it. We're actually part of it. We know we know what's going on, but yet we we still ourselves bring witnesses and the Beit Din declares with Chodesh and so on. Now watch this. The Baal Amor lived approximately 900 years ago. On this Gemara, he's one of the first of the first to talk about this concept way before the world of science spoke about it. I'm sure there were people that were talking about it too, but way before it became standardized. Here's the Baal Amor. By the way, he wrote his Sefer when he was 17 years old. Can you grasp such a thing? It's one of the most amazing books out there. He wrote it on the Shas. Kisalik Rabzera Amar, okay, he talks about the Gemara, about Rabzera, who said that, Rabzera said, we know when the sliver of the moon is out. We know the calculation. And let me skip through. I don't want to read through the whole thing. Okay, here we go. There's the Balamor. Dalacha. You should know. He says, you should know that the time of day and night is not the same throughout the world. Now, this is like, uh, let's actually see when the Baal Hamor actually lived. Give me one second so I don't just tell you some. Uh, Baal Hamor. Okay, Rabbi Zerachia Halevi was his name. Let me just see over here. Here we go. Rabbi Zerachia Halevi. 
No, and it's not him. Here we go. Okay, he was, uh, let's see if we have it here in English for you. Okay. Okay, he was a, he lived, he was born around 1115 in Spain. Okay, so this is what? Okay, said so like about, about 900 years ago. All right, way before Columbus, way before all the big, you know, the world travel. And comes along the Balamor and he says, listen, ladies and gentlemen, you should know that day and night is not the same in any place of the world. You have some places, there's 24 hours. Every one of those hours is night. Okay. Every hour, there's night in one place and it's going to be morning in another place. And then he talks about uh, how it goes up from, you know, from east to west and so on and so on and so on and so on. And then he says, who sold HaPerush? Okay, this is so beautiful. When you see the tradition, you see the, again, I'm telling you, if you appreciate how many times the solar calendar changed, the lunar calendar, and you see that Chazal had this information, the Mishnah, the Gemara, they already knew all this information. It is like in tradition. It's unbelievable. And then we see over here, and he says one thing. He's actually one of the first to bring that there is a, a night in one place, and, and, and it could be more in morning the other. And then he says, V'zasot. And all this is hinted when it says, V'hi er v'hi boker b'meibrishit. So it says, V'hi er v'hi boker yom echad. The Balamar, Rabbi Zerachia Levi says, alludes to a deeper idea that it's vahi erev vahi boker. We understand it to mean that, oh, and it was night, and then it was day, and the day is completed. And he says, no, there's a deeper idea hiding behind it over here. That it could be night and day at the same time. Hashem made a world where at the same moment, Hashem says, there is night and there is day, and it's completed. That was the meaning of Eivari Boker on the first day. Because at those times, there was no sun. There was no moon. You cannot possibly explain that it means it was night, it was day. There were no sun and moon. It means that the world, everything is there, just in different parts of the world. Okay. Now he comes along to the second, to the second part. Whatever. Okay, so here basically he's saying as follows. He's saying also that there's longitude out and there's the world is divided into different sectors and there's going to be one we actually we're going to define to be the center of the world. Now I want to quickly skip forward to which site over here. Is it this one? No. I'll see it in a second. Uh, something we actually they had the chart. We'll see. We'll see it in a moment. Okay. So now, the people in the world at that time had very little way of knowing that when it's light in one place, it's dark in another. No. Why not? Why? Why? Why did he need the Baal Hamor of Israel Levi to come up with this amazing chidush? Why did people not know it at the time? Go ahead. Thoughts. No one traveled. They didn't know, and they took him. 
they didn't know the difference between the up the equator the the yeah. north and the south they didn't know these things they didn't travel that's, that's right thing i can think of they didn't travel and they didn't know it first of all they didn't travel much the world at the time was a much much smaller world and second of all when they did travel travel was so slow in those days people were completely unaware that there was even such a concept of different time zones <laughs> by the time you move from one place to another you know, time changes. No one was aware of it. Uh, all this changes in the late 1800s because for the first time, there's a quick way. One second. Ah, Allah have a second Yom Tov. You know, uh, second Yom Tov is, a, is, you know what, normally with your permission, maybe next year I'll prepare something about, about second day Yom Tov, which, which is interesting. I'll show you. The concepts, but you know, let, let, let me just say, I'll say it in one line. Second day Yantiv originally was the Gemara says that people in Chutzlars, the people that the information of when Rosh Chodesh is would get there would, would get there late. They had a second day of, of Yantiv, and there's a whole discussion that the second day Yantiv became like the minhag of people overseas. Even though today we know we know the times and dates, and we saw over here in the Mishnah, even in those days, they actually knew where the moon was, they, they really knew the calendar, they knew it, but yet we need the Adim and so on, and the Adim did come, they didn't come. End of the day, it was decided that anyone in Chusar is actually far away, that the information didn't make it there on time of exactly when the Beit didn't decide it was Rosh Chodesh. Since they didn't know exactly which day would make Rosh Chodesh, they would keep two days. Uh, I was, concept... um, sorry, I was, I was asking because I was wondering if it had to do with with this concept where they decided that the, the days were not the same, but that, that was just my, what I was asking. Yeah, about now, one, one of the big discussions today, by the way, what you're saying, though, what you're saying is correct. So basically, so, but today we have a calendar, and we actually knew, so in the time of the debate, the Migdash, we knew the witnesses, I got it. But in truth, we know, we, we, we know the time. Today we have a calendar, why keep Yom Tov Sheni in Chutzlar? It's truth, uh, so... So one of the main ideas of Yom Tov Sheni today is nothing to do with the fact that we know we don't know, but rather the Gemara says it, it became like the Minhag in Chutzlaretz. The Gemara does say that in case something gets messed up, and again, we don't know something actually, you know, something happened and information is able, isn't able to get around, which of course, today we have full calendars. Those are big questions. It, it more or less goes down as the Minhag of Chutzlaretz versus actually truly truly uh, not knowing. It had to do with the fact that it was too far. So the way they used to send the message out was by lighting fires on top of mountains, you know, uh, smoke signals, the way the Indians used to do it too. And well, they knew smoke was like more like fire signals, but either way, places that were actually too far away, you know, they were found out only much, much later. And hence he had the two-day yontif. By the way, uh, there is a two-day yontif in Israel also, which is Rosh Hashanah, and the main reason for Rosh Hashanah being two days, aside from all the spiritual ideas behind it, but the technical, what the Mishnah brings is that in time of the Beit HaMikdash, it's the only holiday that takes place on Rosh Chodesh. So in all the other holidays are in the middle of the month, so people have enough time to get the information to know when Rosh Chodesh was. Was it on Sunday or was it on Monday? So they know when to have Sukkot, when to have Pesach, but they did not know when to have Rosh Hashanah. If you were in the Beit HaMikdash, you kept it the day when the Adim came. But outside of Beit HaMikdash, they kept two days all the time, just in case, because they weren't sure. They knew which two days it could be, 
That's when they kept Rosh Hashanah. That's why that's why Rosh Hashanah is two days. So now the so people were unaware, completely unaware that there was such a concept that was night in one place and dark in another, and travel was very slow. In the 1800s, there's a new form of transportation called. Let's see if you can guess it. Went very, very, very fast, almost 30 miles an hour, 40 miles an hour. We've got trains and hot air balloons. There we go. And for the first time in history, they realized that, whoa, <laughs> one second, one second. There's different areas here with different times. By the way, at the time also, each area kept their own time the way they wanted to. So the world all of a sudden realized that we have a serious issue. One, it became a lot more extreme that the hours were different and each country had their own set of hours and they needed to coordinate the time schedules of the trains. That's when it all began in the 1800s. And as long as they were doing that, they also set what's called the International Dateline. Now, the International Dateline, the name is quite, um, what's the word for it? It can throw you off. Help me out of here. What good word we use? And the name is, ugh. The name can throw you off. It's not the uh, whatever, whatever word is it. When you hear the word international dateline, it sounds like the whole world got together and made the whole. It's an international consensus of of where you know when the hours begin, where they begin in different different time zones. That's not true. In fact, there is no official agreement, and in fact, times have moved left and right. So, for example, Alaska, when it moved from Russia to America, when it belonged to Russia, then Russia had it on their on their side of the world, and when it moved to America, it moved to the American side of the world, and they basically uh, skipped a day or lost a day. After, they actually what they they gained a day, I think. No, based on that, they gained a day. Whatever, one or the other. So. If the different countries really, really change, really change their, their their time zones. Let me see. There's got to be a place or one of the things here. Uh, international Dateline. Where was it? It was in the conference. Here we go. It was called the International Meridian Conference. Okay, held in October 1884. That's not too long ago. Not too long ago. To determine a prime meridian for international use. All right, look, the American president, the president of America called a meeting because they had a serious issue in the 1870s, all right, because of navigation, ships, and they started traveling, you know, faster and, and, and further around the world. The world became a, a bigger world, and they had the issue with, with the, with the uh, Western, the Great Western Railway. So all of a sudden, the world started traveling, and now they said, you know what, we really have to figure out when the world dateline is going to be. So, uh, you know, and that's when they, they came along the idea of having uh, GMT. They did it in, in Greenwich. Okay. Greenwich became what they called that was like, a, you know, hour zero. And anything east of Greenwich would actually gain hours, like Israel's two, two hours ahead of Greenwich and China's way ahead of Greenwich. And then if you're going west, then that was Greenwich minus what they call GMT minus or what they, today they call UTC. So this is all very, very, very recent. I want to share with you at the Balamore is already writing about this in the year 1115. This is a lot of years before 1880, before 1870s, before 1884, a lot of years before that. And he's already pointing out that there are time differences and everything different, everything's different. So wonderful. So 
what he did though is he decided where the line is going to go that the the day begins and will begins the next day meaning 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 so china is ahead of israel by x amount of hours but if you start moving you keep moving east america is behind israel china is ahead of israel at a certain point i want to find the international dateline i had here a chart I had here a chart I'm trying to find it's got to be one of these things over here where is it where is it hold on no it's not that one and it's not that one and it's not that one here we go here we go here we go here we go okay watch this now i'm going to make it much bigger okay so the balamor basically gemara again in rosh hashanah all right talk about the great secret that we knew comes along and that became known as the chazan ish line and he says we view israel as basically the center and it 90 degrees out east of yerushalayim is the international date line so what ends up happening is that basically china for the sake of argument let's say is 10 hours ahead of jerusalem and throwing a number or 12 hours anything past that already is i'm sorry this is ahead of israel and anything to the other side of the world is behind israel so basically what ends up happening is that when japan has a sunday that truly is shabbos according to the jewish halacha according to the baal hamaor now at that time they were unaware of japan they were unaware of quite all these places uh in in the far in the far east the chazan ish came many many years later chazan ish was like in the um the famous writing that he wrote about this and we'll elaborate more next year the exciting things that happened when also the jews escaped nazi germany and they make it to japan and they make it to all the areas of the far east and for the first time in history now this dilemma now became actually practical when exactly is shabbos so the balamor just says 90 degrees east of jerusalem he's the first one i want to end the year over here is that we can appreciate a like we said the tradition from Akash to Moshe Rabbeinu was not only that we had to participate in the world we have a job and a mission to be a light to the nations and also we got the calculation sun and the moon and we participate by having witnesses and so on but we also got the tradition of when the right time is exactly that's thing number one number two we see the Baal Amor explains the Gemara in depth in Rosh Hashanah and he says you should know that not only do we know that there is a sun and i'm sorry not only do we know that uh when when the new moon is but we also know that everybody boker is a deep secret that there's sun in one place and moon in the other the world is basically round you see this by the way in the zor you see other places too it's very explicit and there's gonna be basically you have to define a line where we say that uh it's tomorrow when's the next day or actually when the time international timeline is and the timeline that he decided was uh at at the 90 degrees altitude now longitude so basically what happened over here 
is that he was unaware that there was the mainland China and Japan and so on. When the question showed up, when the Mir Yeshiva and uh, uh, a, few, a few of the yeshivas also escaped and they make it to Japan, the Chazonis says, number one, even if we go by the opinion of the Baal Maor, Rabbi Zerachia Levi, we're not going to make a line going through China because that means that you could be in the same city and one was on this side of the street, one was on the other side of the street, and you cross over, and for one Shabbos is on Sunday, the other one Shabbos is on Shabbos. You can't have that. So the Chazanish already writes, what we're going to do is we're going to go on the sea line. He basically said the entire mainland of China will all be on one side of it, and same thing for Australia. But Japan, since Japan is now on the other side of the timeline, and there's a sea between Japan and mainland China, therefore Japan will be basically one day on the other side of the timeline, and by Japan, Sunday is when Shabbos is going to be. That was the opinion of the Balamar and the Chazon Ish, and Mezrat Hashem in next year, we're going to see the massive discussion and dilemmas of what's going on in Japan, what do we do in Alaska? What do we do in Hawaii? What do we do in the different islands over here, stuck in the middle of the Pacific? What happened internationally? What's going on today? All of those things, Bezrat Hashem, we'll all see, we'll all put it all together, including another thing I want to discuss next year also, is what do we do in places in the world where there's no Shkia? We all know we have sunrise, sunset, but what do you do in the far north? There is no sunset. What do you do? How do we relate to it? All that Bezrat Hashem in next year, the new world of the Far East, the Far North, Far South, and Halacha, how all that comes together from the ancient world to the modern world. Tune in next week, Bezvat Hashem. Looking forward to a rabbi. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Is that the idea to, to um, see exactly what's on the opposite side of Yerushalayim in the world? Uh, is, uh, where they, you know, um, where they... Again, the question again, I'm sorry. Yeah, go ahead. Um, okay, was it um, was there any thought about like seeing exactly what's the, on the other side of the world in Yerushalayim? Like, if you just dig a hole straight through the world, and what where do you end up? Mm, you know, it's a good question. It's a good that... question. You know, it was really going figuring out the other side of Yerushalayim. I mean, I know they viewed Yerushalayim as a center, some opinions held Yerushalayim was the center of the world. And you're saying what happens exactly on the other side? That That's interesting, you know, like the ocean, right. Yeah. Oh, you're asking technically what's on the other side? Yeah. Uh, that's a good question. Like if you know, you, the world is wrong, and you just slice it. You slice it. Yeah. With 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 your permission, let me look into it and let me uh and let let me let me review it. Yeah. Okay. It's a very good wondered. question, actually. No, no. The Thank question is excellent. It really is. It, it's fascinating. First of all, again, we appreciate that it would. The halacha actually begins in the era where people are completely unaware. It, it, it's mm-hmm. incredibly fascinating that they, they were even aware of such a concept. And now in the modern world where we actually know the different places and locations and we got to some understanding international daylight, how do we now adapt? Uh, the, I don't like the word adapt. Like, how, how do we really halachically when now the world reached an understanding of where's Sunday, where's Friday, where's Saturday? And, you know, even the world changed their mind. Alaska flip days, you know, it's like, and different of these islands each have their own permission, by the way, in the, 
in, in the island of, in the in the in the ocean over here, they actually in the Pacific over here, they actually have permission to decide if they want to be on which side of the timeline. It, it, it's completely fascinating. It's not like there's oh. a, a rule, you know. It, it's it's like whoa, you know. It's like figure yeah. out where you are, what you are. Yes, I'll try to figure out so where the other side of Yerushalayim actually is. I'm just saying they were unaware at the time of what we know today. To me, it's mind-boggling how, imagine we have no internet, no satellites, no nothing, nothing. And yet to start figuring out, you know, where the longitude, altitude lines are going, it's like, it's like wow, how'd they do that? How'd they do that, you know? It's crazy. Yeah. But anyway, okay, so Bezvada Shema, I'll, I'll check out also what, what, what you asked to, okay? Thank you. Thank you so much. Okay, so we should have yeah. the It should be a Shavuot Tov for everyone, Bezvada Shema. Amen. Mm-hmm.